0: Good morning. Let's all stand up together. This morning, we're going to start off with a bang. We are so glad that our risen Savior is alive and well this morning. Let's sing together.
1: He's alive, he's alive, he's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. Alive. He's alive, He's alive, He's alive, and I'm forgiven. Hands gates are open wide. He's alive. he's alive,
0: He's alive, He's alive. Isn't it a wonderful feeling to know that He's alive with us this morning and here and worshiping with us today? As we raise His name up and just sing to His glory. Let's all sing together. bow your heads and pray with me, please. Dear Lord, we come here today full of joy and just full of happiness and excitement. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us and for this wonderful, miraculous gift that you have given us. Lord, thank you so much for today and everything it means. And Lord, help us today to be your Easter people. In your name I pray.
2: We invite the children to come forward for a few moments of sharing, and the rest of you turn and greet one another a moment.
0: Good morning everybody happy Easter you all look so beautiful and handsome this morning I'm so glad to see you here what an exciting morning this is all right do any of you guys like a good mystery story Have any of you ever heard a good mystery story before well this morning you're gonna hear the most exciting mystery story ever told are you ready I call it the case of the empty tomb The story begins very early in the morning on the first day of the week. Jesus had just been crucified and buried. Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' followers, went to the tomb where Jesus was buried. When she got there, she saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Peter and John and said to them, They have taken the Lord's body from the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and John raced to the tomb. John got there first. He looked in the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And then Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linens that John had seen seen lying there. As he investigated further, he saw the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was also folded and lying apart from the other wrappings. After Peter looked around for a few minutes, Jesus joined him inside. When they were sure that the tomb was empty, they left and went home. Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she headed. She looked inside the tomb and saw two angels sitting there. One of them was sitting at the head and the other at the foot where the body of Jesus had been lying. Why are you crying? the angels asked. Because they have taken my Lord and I don't know, I don't know where they have put him, she answered. Then Mary turned and was about to leave when she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Mary, thinking that he was a gardener, said, "'Sir, if you have taken my master away, "'please tell me where he is so that I can go to him.' "'Mary,' Jesus said. "'When Jesus spoke her name, Mary knew who he was. "'She turned to him and cried out, "'Teacher, don't cling to me,' Jesus said, "'for I have not ascended to my Father. "'Go and tell my brothers that you have seen me "'and that I am going to return to my Father and your Father, "'my God and your God.'" Mary found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them the message that Jesus had told her to tell them. And that solves the case of the empty tomb. The tomb is empty because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is risen just as he said. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, the empty tomb is no mystery to us. He is risen. We rejoice in his name. Amen.
2: Oh, shucks. Some child is missing a dollar bill. Might go in the offering there in a minute. It's good to see everybody here today as we come for this uh, special, special Sunday of celebration. And if you're visiting with us, we're so glad to have you here and um, sincerely invite you to come back to be with us as often as you can. There will always be a a chair brought out for you if you come, and we're just delighted to have you with us. I want to give you a chance to share prayer concerns this morning if something is heavy on your heart that you'd like us to join you in praying about. If you will raise your hand, we will get you an index card and ask you to write something down that uh, I can repeat. And we will share your concern together as a group of believing people, believing Christians. And uh, we believe there's great power in that, so we invite you to share those concerns. several uh, announcements here. There's no regular Sunday night programs tonight for children, youth, or adults. We invite everyone to enjoy Easter with your family and friends. Penny's Penny's aunt sent us a ham down from Virginia, so you know where I'll be at Grandma's house. Um, So uh, we invite you to take a Sunday night with your family, and then we'll be back Uh, knocking on all cylinders next Sunday night as we get ready for some special children's programs before the end of the year. Also, anyone who is interested in a mission trip or mission trips to Guatemala, uh, Bob Newton will come to talk about a new opportunity that is just in the planning stages. Mission groups will be able to stay in houses with all modern amenities, while serving those in need. Meeting is Tuesday, April 26th at 6 PM in the uh, Family Life Center. Uh, If you have any questions about that, contact uh, Joy Hudson, Dr. Joy Hudson, for more information. One of the wonderful things about um, the United Methodist Church is it does give you opportunities for short-term mission work. it's wonderful if you get to go somewhere for a year or two, but a week or two is a blessing too for you and those that you go to serve. So, um, being you know, if you've got a week or two, you can share with this. Uh, let us know <clears throat> if you've finished up. Are there other announcements first? If we have finished up prayer cards, if you will hold them up, our ushers will gather them up. <clears throat> You know, um, I I guess you will notice, I hope you will notice that we who sing together on Sunday mornings uh, are a family and enjoy one another greatly. And the support that we experience for one another is always so meaningful. Like last Sunday, last Sunday they were locking up back here and I said, wait a minute, don't lock that door. I've got to get my sermon notes out. Greg our sound man said sermon notes you mean what we just heard was planned in advance I just really you know appreciate love and support of the community (sighs) all right let us join our hearts together in prayer Lord we thank you for this the most blessed of all Sundays when we come to celebrate a great mystery We find ourselves challenged by the good news, and yet we're celebrating it this day, that you were miraculous over death, that you raised Jesus from death as Jesus had promised that you would, and that Jesus appeared to his closest friends and started a movement to tell the good news that has come all the way down 2,000 years to us in this far distant land. We're thankful for all that it means that Jesus is alive, that we might know him and fellowship with him, that we might be assured of forgiveness of our sins and promised eternal life. So indeed, we come to celebrate that good news this day. And these are our special prayers for today. We pray for Stan Christofferson, who is battling cancer. We pray for job opportunities. We pray for those having trouble in their marriage, for those who are sick. And we pray especially for Neil Weiss and Nancy Kiefer, that they might be healed. We pray safety for Tom Rishforth and his team in Afghanistan We pray for a brother with problems, both health wise and spiritual. We pray for someone's best friend who has Lou Gehrig's disease. We pray for this friend named Billy Lindsay. We pray for David Lanier and Betty Foster, both having health concerns. We pray for Troop Who are in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for your care of Bobby Dorman as you help her heal. We pray for Joan Achley, who has cancer. We pray for healing for Martha Gibson. Lord, these are our prayers that we pray in the name of Jesus who has taught us to pray saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture lesson today is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses uh, 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Here ends the lesson. It is wonderful to be with a crowd of people on Easter Sunday. I love being with a large group like we have here today who are joyfully singing about Jesus and his victory over sin and death. It is so appropriate that all of us make an extra effort to be here on Easter because there really is no day quite as meaningful to the Christian community as today is, the day of Jesus' resurrection. The message of Easter Fills us with hope as we think about life and death. Jesus lives. That means we will too. The message also fills us with peace as we realize our sins are indeed forgiven. They have been taken from us completely and permanently. We have been saved. Easter is also a time filled with mystery. And as we get older, mystery isn't something that's quite as hard for us to find. For instance, last year, for the first time, I was able to hide my own Easter eggs. I'm still looking for some of them, I haven't found them yet. And they say the wonderful thing about getting older is you can meet your friends every day for the first time. But I love a good mystery. Give me Agatha Christie. Show me another Hercule Prérot movie on Saturday Night ETV. Sherlock Holmes, anyone? I wonder if it's our love of mystery that caused God to stage Jesus' resurrection the way he did because it's loaded with mystery. There were no witnesses there, but there are abundance, there's an abundant number of clues around left everywhere we are left with the mystery of an empty tomb and we are here to celebrate this mystery to confess that we don't have to completely understand it in order to be able to appreciate it and celebrate it the de- the, the details of the story contained in the gospels help us explore this mystery and today we'll be guided by Matthew's gospel The first mystery that we encounter is that we have exactly no idea as to when Jesus was raised to life. It was to be on the third day following his crucifixion on Friday. In the way they counted days back then, the day of his death was one day, that was late Friday. Saturday was the second day and Sunday made up the third day. But back then, uh, the new day began at 6 p.m. So what you and I call Saturday night was called Sunday morning, very early back then. So Jesus' resurrection happened sometime on the third day between sunset on what we call Saturday and sunrise on what we call Sunday. But we don't know when. What we do know precisely is the time of the pilgrimage to the, holy, uh, to the tomb by the, by the women. Jesus' resurrection had already happened by the time the women arrived at the tomb. And it was very early, we're told, when they got there. Matthew says that their visit was toward dawn, while Mark says that it was right after sunup. Luke says it was early dawn, whatever that is. And John says, "Eh, it's still a little dark. So you're right at that change between night and daytime. To be sure, these women traveled to the empty tomb as early as it was safe to do so. But I'm sure they'd already been up a very long time. In fact, I doubt they'd had any sleep since the crucifixion. Who could sleep since Jesus had died? How could anyone sleep? Sorrow was too profound. Their hopes were completely demolished. They had nothing to live for. The purpose of their journey to the tomb, according to Mark and Luke, was to finish the burial process for Jesus. The hour of Jesus' death had occurred so late on Friday afternoon, so near the start of the most restrictive Sabbath day there is around Passover, that there really had not been time for a proper burial. The visit of the women was an act of bravery fueled by deep grief and much love and by the desire to make sure that their friend who had been denied justice in life would not be forgotten in death. Now their journey on one level made no sense at all, But neither does it make a whole lot of sense when from time to time I make a pilgrimage to the cemetery to visit the graves of my mother and father. Sometimes I just have to go. These women just had to go to be near Jesus once again, even if it was only to be near his dead body. Just who these women are is also a bit of a mystery. The gospel writers seemed to have a difficult time figuring figuring out exactly who they were. They agreed on one, Mary Magdalene, that crazy lady. Mary of Magdala had been known far and wide as a crazy lady before she met Jesus. That lady is really demon-possessed, everybody said. But Jesus had given her sanity. Matthew says that another Mary went with her. Now, wouldn't you just love that name, the other Mary? Who was it, the other Mary? Well, some speculate that this other Mary was Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, otherwise known as the mother of Jesus also. Some say it was the wife of Alphaeus or or Clopas. And there might have been a third woman, Salome, who was present with them there are several things that I hope will help you accept this fuzzy detail. First of all, it was a bit of embarrassment to the early church that women had to be mentioned at all in the story because the word of a woman back then was not accepted in courts of law. You just couldn't put any confidence in what a woman said any more than you can put confidence in a child. Now, don't get mad at me. That's not my attitude. That was the attitude of men 2,000 years ago. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul says, let me pass on to you the facts of the gospel, he doesn't even mention the women. He says Jesus rose from dead and appeared to Peter and the others. Doesn't even mention the ladies. And thus he removes a point of great contention in the first century that would have been an embarrassment to Paul. Why didn't the early church get all the details down about who these women were? Because it didn't matter back then. It wasn't all that important. You have indeed come a long way, baby. Uh, there probably was another reason that they didn't get all the facts right and that are or, or accurate or, or in agreement is that um, there was a lot of confusion. You think about it a minute. The difficulty of getting the facts down had to do with all the tremendous confusion that had to be in the air that day. Nobody expected anything out of the ordinary to happen. Jesus had died. Jesus was buried. End of the story. But when it was not the end of the story, such confusion broke out, and things happened so fast that confusion made it difficult to get all the details in order. So accept that fuzzy detail as evidence, uh, a, a clue. That something spectacular happened at the tomb that caused all this confusion. Mary Magdalene and her companions are integral parts of this story. Some of Jesus' male friends should have gotten up and gone with them. But you know how men are. Some of these men were just too frightened or too cowardly to make that journey with these brave women. All four gospel writers tell us that when the women got there they ran into some angels only Matthew mentions the fact that there was an earthquake involved with the opening of the tomb and he says that the angel caused the earthquake in order to cause that stone to roll away from the entrance to the tomb the presence of angels always means one thing God is nearby God is here Events in nature like earthquakes and storms and the darkness that covered the land in the final hours of Jesus' hanging on the cross also mean that God is present. Someone has said that the earthquake and the presence of angels at the empty tomb should be interpreted to mean that God was all over that place, present in a mighty way. You could just feel God everywhere in that garden That morning, the guards posted there by the authorities were aware that something very holy and mysterious had happened. They were so afraid that these brave soldiers who had been in battle many times before fell to the ground like scared dead men. They froze in their tracks. The women were frightened too. I want you to notice this detail No one, not the guards or the women, saw Jesus come out of that tomb. This is because Jesus didn't need to walk out once the tomb was opened. He had already left the tomb probably hours earlier. He had been resurrected and miraculously removed from that tomb. The stone was not rolled away so that Jesus might get out. The stone was rolled away so that we might get in. And see that it's empty. The women needed to get in. The angel told them this when he said. Fear not. I know why you're here. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he's not here. See for yourself where he was lying. He is risen. Go tell the disciples to head to Galilee. There they will see him. Matthew tells us that. The women fled in one direction from the tomb, and the soldiers went in fear in the other direction. The women were at least filled with joy as well as fear. As they were on their way, Mary and the others ran into Jesus and fell at his feet and worshipped him. Matthew says that Jesus repeated the message of the angel, go, uh, go tell my disciples I'm headed to Galilee, and they will see me there. Even now, the uh, good shepherd was taking care of the sheep, getting them out of Jerusalem where it was still dangerous and getting them to a place of safety. Jesus is always first thinking about us and our well-being. Of course, every mystery has to have several possible explanations or else there is no mystery. From day one, there were those who believed in the resurrection of Jesus as the reason of the empty tomb but there were those that believed otherwise. The earliest explanation from the doubters was that the tomb was empty because the disciples had come and stolen the body. Matthew explains how this story came to be, and he seems to take great delight in showing how God frustrated the very careful plans of those who'd been opposed to Jesus. The religious leaders had begged Pilate to place soldiers at the tomb. Their very presence would be enough to keep people away. The message was clear. The soldiers crucified Jesus, stay away or it will happen to you as well. The fact that these battle-hardened soldiers fell to the ground like dead men and then fled from the scene indicates that something very strange happened to them. The very thing that the religious leaders had hoped would quell all rumors had given credence to the angels' presence and to Jesus' resurrection. There was nothing now for the authorities to do but to bribe the soldiers into saying that they'd fallen asleep, and the disciples had found an opportunity to come and steal Jesus' body. This, says Matthew, is where that story came from. Christian apologist Josh McDowell has done a very good job in our day of explaining how weak and illogical uh, this explanation of the empty tomb really is. McDowell says that if those terrified disciples had managed to muster up the courage to come out of hiding and take on the armed Roman guards that were stationed there and managed to steal Jesus' body, McDowell says then that would mean that all of these disciples lived and died for a lie that they knew was a lie. Of the original 12 disciples, Judas took his own life. John died of natural causes as a very old man. But the other 10 all died a violent death at the hands of the authorities. And there were others beside the 12 disciples who were there to see the risen Christ and they also died violently at the hands of the Romans. None of them ever became rich or famous or powerful after their witness of the empty tomb. McDowell concludes his argument by saying, never in history has it been known that anyone would die for a lie that they knew was a lie. All all it would have taken would have been for one of them, just one of them, to crack under pressure. But none of them ever did. Other wonderful stories are told by the gospel writers concerning the resurrected Christ. Some walked with him on the first Easter day as they traveled to Emmaus. Another time, Jesus appeared behind closed, locked doors to be with his disciples. Yet another time, he prepared breakfast for them. At the seaside after they'd fished all night, the first mobile waffle house that we know of. And then he finally left them to return home to God. And when he left them, he promised to be with them always and to return for us all someday. Dr. Charles Barrett, who is my friend and a retired professor over from Wofford College, explains the first Easter. This way in his textbook, Understanding the Christian Faith. A short time after Jesus' execution, something remarkable occurred among the small band of followers who had considered him a prophet. Wretched in their bereavement, they suddenly became joyous. Their new joy, they announced, came from the discovery that Jesus still lives, that he was still in their midst and promised to be with them, always. In the power of their sense of his presence and promise, they formed a tight-knit community shaped by their care for one another and by their zeal in debating with the authorities and enlisting new recruits for their crime. To Dr. Barrett's words, I will simply add that it's amazing to see how quickly the little band of disciples returned to their confident living, acting as if Jesus had not died at all. I love a good mystery, and the Easter story is the greatest mystery ever told. Amen. I invite you now to stand as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
3: He was pierced for our transgressions Crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace Was upon him By his wounds By his wounds we are healed He was pierced for our transgressions Crushed for our sins, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life. By your grace we are saved, we are saved He was pierced for our transgression, crushed for our sin, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. We are healed by your sacrifice,
1: and the life that you gave, we are healed for you paid
3: the price, by your grace we are saved, we are saved. transgression, crushed for our sin, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, by his wounds, by his wounds.
2: forth in peace and with wonder as you contemplate the great mystery of the empty tomb and the meaning that it has for your life. Jesus lives. We too will live. We are forgiven.